Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to um, James again, chapter 1. Praise God. We're talking about obedience. We've talked about faith. We've talked about wisdom. And now we're talking about obedience, the the importance of putting action to what we have uh, learned. Uh, We've made this statement, and it's, it's just true repeatedly, but... Um, uh, A.W. Tozer said this, he said, much of our difficulty as Christians stems from, our, stems from our unwillingness to take God as he is and adjust our lives accordingly. You know, we, uh, uh, there are bumper stickers that say this, and then um, I've heard people say it for years, uh, and it doesn't mean that it's always done, but it is true. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You know, and people will scoff and mock at that and act like it's not that way or, well, in the real world, you know, they kind of make those kind of statements and comments. And the reality is, is that the world that we live in that is called the real world is deceived and it is blanketed in darkness. Um, the longer that I walk with the Lord and, and study the word and fellowship with him and then obey that word, uh, I, you see it more and more. Um, people are deceived, massively deceived. And, I, and I'll make a statement in conjunction with that. Much of the church functions in the same deception. Um, and the only... The only answer is the light, which is this. It's the written word of God. Now, the Father, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they all function together in unity. Um, And they all play their parts, right? Um, And the Holy Spirit, if you read and study and look at his primary function, His primary function, as declared by Jesus, was to bring us back to the Word and to glorify the Word. Uh, If you question that, go to John chapter 14, 15, and 16 and read them, and you'll find it. The Holy Spirit is not a showboater. He's not. Some of what is called ministry by, and I've participated in it in years past uh, because I thought that's what you were supposed to do, you know. (laughs) If you're a spirit-filled preacher, you're supposed to like showboat, you know. Make make it, you know, really put on a a demonstration. But the anointing actually, the anointing and the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit has little to do with how we feel. Now, can we sense the Holy Spirit? Will he affect our soul? So the longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I'm convinced that spirit-filled believers are actually more soul-led than they are spirit-led. I know, right? 
Amen or oh me, right? One or the other. I know it, it really bothers me too when the Lord tells me this stuff because, you know, and thankfully he's so gracious and merciful, right? He's not browbeating me, but, 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 but why would he correct me? Because he loves me. And what does he desire? He desires that his promises function at a hundredfold in my life. Right? He wants the manifestation of those promises at a hundredfold. That's why, how many have ever been in a service and man, it, the power of God's moving, you can sense him, you feel him moving, and you went away with the same problem that you came in with. Oh, I'm the only one. Praise the Lord. I, wanna, <laughs> I guess I'm really, <laughs> I got a long ways to go, you know. <laughs> But thank God, like, like Andrew Womack says, I, I'm, I haven't, or I, uh, I've left. I haven't arrived, but I've left. You know what I mean? The past things. So that anointing in the room, in and of or by itself, is not going to, and that sense, that feeling I had in that moment is not enough to change my circumstance. Something else has to happen. I have to obey his word. Amen? Um, there are all sorts of, uh, and, and this is just, <laughs> this always happens. In every emphasis of God, the devil knows he can't stop it, so he goes to the other end. He pushes it to extremes. Do you know the teaching, there was a teaching movement, did you know that, in the 70s? Just right after the healing revival, 60s, 70s, teaching movement came in. Why? Because there was so much that got off during the healing revival. I'm talking about Oral Robert. I'm not saying he got off. I'm saying that generation. Oral Roberts, Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, uh, William Branham. I mean, there was, there was a whole group called the Voice of Healing, and they were connected to Christ for the nations, uh, the Lindsays right? And Brother Hagin was around all of them at that time and ministered along with them. And uh, there were things that happened during that time, if you go back and study it out, like one uh, spirit-filled minister who had, listen to me, major miracles in his meetings. You know, like put a, a frog in a jar and said it was a devil and said he caught it. Do you know why he did that? Because he's functioning in the spirit without an anchor. <laughs> I mean, that's a little different, right? But this is, this is, this, th these people still had miracles in their meetings. Now, the other extreme is, is we, well, we just got to stick with the word, and you're just dry. Well, I can't say that. I want to say it. But you wouldn't understand because it's McFarlane humor. I mean, you would understand it, but some of you would be like, oh, did you have to do that? And I don't want to do that. Just dry as, a, as, as desert. And people say, well, how could that be out of the word? Because you, then you neglect the spirit. And if I neglect the Holy Ghost, I can get dry, right? I get crusty. 
because you need the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. But then if I overemphasize the Holy Spirit, that's where you get other ministers during that time that had like tufts of hair off of things and they'd bring them to a meeting and go, this is the hair from a demon. That I, and I wrestled it. And, and we can look back, and, and, and we should look back and be kind of, but in, the, in that time, Brother Hagin said this, he said, and I've read this account from Robert Slairdon and then as well as hearing him say it in class, but he said it was so easy to get people healed during that time. It was, he said people were getting healed in churches that didn't believe in healing. It was just gifts of healing were just exploding everywhere. And people in the midst of that can get wrapped up in the move and forget about the mover. That's why obedience to the word is so important. Now, let me take it a different direction. So that's on, this, that's on the church side, the spirit, spirit-filled side, when, when, when the spirit of God is, remo- is moving in a mighty way and there's a, there's a sense of ecstasy in the atmosphere. Now let me take it to the other side of persecution. When it comes to persecution, the same things happen. People abandon the Lord because of their lack of obedience and fellowship with him because things get hard. You know, there are a lot of people that abandoned the Lord 20 years ago because something didn't go the way they wanted it to. Yeah, I think I'll touch on that one. Like uh, church hurt. I've had people, I had a, I was talking to somebody a while back. Actually, this was probably over a year ago. And they, they made the comment about... Uh, that a minister had said to them, you know, I'm going to protect my pastors from a sheep bite. Because I guess sheep bite? I don't know. (laughs) The truth is, the truth is, if we allow the enemy to take, like I could quit ministry because it doesn't go the way I want it to all the time. You know, this just this career path just isn't for me. Do you know I can take the skills God gave me and do what I want with them? And I will be held accountable. Guess what? So will you. Well, careful preacher. Preachers are are under stricter judgment. Well, I agree with you. We do have that. But everybody, everybody will stand before the Lord individually. In other words, I won't be able to get to heaven and go, well, Heidi didn't do what she was supposed to, so I, I, didn't, I, I couldn't do it. The Lord will not accept that. Because we're not going to stand before the Lord as a corporate. We're going to stand before the Lord as one individually I will stand before him then I have to make a decision what am I going to do and a lot of times people think well the Lord's not that way well you just haven't read far enough he's exactly that way we're, we're going to get into it in the morning in the, in the main sessions about hear his voice but we're going to we'll get into it but you'll see that actually the Lord 
ignored his own natural family to go obey God. <laughs> it didn't destroy them. He just obeyed. He didn't hurt them. He didn't speak bad about them. He just said, look, I've got to go this way. This is what I have to do. His own family thought that he lost his mind. And they came to correct him. Do you know what I love about the Lord? I love this statement. I love this statement. The Lord has used this statement for me for years. Because I've made decisions at times that people are like, you're going to ruin it. It's all going under. You're going to ruin your life. You know, this started from the moment I got saved. That's probably why the Lord visited me in dreams probably so much. Because he knew what was coming and he didn't want me to get off. He's get, that boy's going to need some extra help. <laughs> You said the Lord visited you in dreams. Yes. I've only shared some of the things. Why don't you write a book? (laughs) Why? Why don't you get close to the Lord and have your own experiences and stop trying to make money off it? (laughs) Just, just, you know what I mean? (laughs) Sometimes, and the reason why, the the main reason why I do do or don't do anything, this is the goal, is because the Lord didn't say to. And I don't understand it all yet. There are things Heidi and I are walking out right now that Heidi had a dream about 15 years ago. And it's taken that long to get here. What if I would have quit? Do you know at one point I almost bought a business? Because it didn't look like I was going to go into ministry. And the Lord arrested me. He said, no, you're not doing that. And I had gotten all the way to the point. I mean, we were close to signing papers. You know what I mean? And he said, no. And so I had to go tell the people, I'm sorry. And it was disappointing to them. (laughs) You can imagine, right? So we have to obey the Lord individually in order to get the results that he desires. So going back to what I was said, what I had stated earlier, the Holy Spirit prompted me on. Jesus made this statement. He said, wisdom will be known by her children. You should write that down. Wisdom will be known by her children. What does that mean? That means that whatever has been done will produce an offspring. And whatever is in the offspring will show the character or whether the decision was right or wrong. All right? I'll give you another one. You say, what's this got to do with obedience? Everything. Everything. Faith, wisdom, obedience. Everything. The problem is not the problem. If I want apples, I can't get frustrated when I plant an orange seed and get oranges. Right? If I want barley but plant wheat, if I want corn but plant soybeans, 
If I want corn and plant sugar beets, how many know at some point I'm going to be looking at the field going, those stocks should be higher than they are. There's something's not right here. But see, we overthink these things and we, we over, especially as spirit-filled believers, we over-spiritualize things that are very simple. We complicate the victory when the Lord is saying, just do this and it'll happen. But when we don't see immediate results, we go, well, it must not be working, so I'm gonna go back and look for another. No, no, we need to, we need to plod that truth. We need to walk that truth out. We need to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. Well, this area of my life isn't where I want it to be yet. Well, the answer is not quit. The answer is keep going. The answer is keep moving forward. Well, it's hard. Yes. Who lied to you and said it would be easy? right? Well, I don't like the hardness. Well, that's because like, like many times for me, I find in myself, if, if I find my emotion and my thought going certain directions like that, I know that I'm out of fellowship as far as consistently with the Lord like I should be. Because, okay, go over to Jude. It's not far from James 1. Turn to the right. Just before Revelation, right? All right, let me, let me just say that. I'm not going to read all of Jude, but if you read Jude, it's only one chapter. It's a real long book. He talks about all these things that are going to take place. And then at the end, you know what he says? Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, glory to God, and to present you what? Whoo, I like that. Thank you, Lord. I'll be presented faultless before the Father. Why? In Christ Jesus. Amen? And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with what? Now, if you read the previous verses in the chapter, how did he land on exceeding joy? How? He can't be talking about circumstantial joy. It's impossible. The contextual, uh, the context of the scripture doesn't lean toward that. It has to be something else. It has to be joy in Christ. And watch, not just joy. Come on. What? Exceeding? Well, I've got exceeding depression. You're living in your flesh and in your soul and not in the spirit. Your mind is unrenewed. Your body is out of control. I'm talking about as a believer. And you need to get in the spirit because if you get in the spirit, you'll have exceeding joy. Now watch. To God our Savior, verse 25, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever, amen. Does that sound like, oh, it's just, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, 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 oh. 
Does that sound like that? Exceeding joy. Oh, it must be miraculous joy. It must be supernatural joy. It must be joy outside your circumstance. Even though the situations are not perfect, it must be a joy that has gone to hell and whipped every depression of the enemy and then rose up over the top of it. It must be a joy that is outside the realm of what we experience within the oppression of this world. It must be a joy that is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It must be a joy. Oh, I found a vein and I'm liking it right now. It must be a joy that is stepped into by faith. It must be a joy manifested from obedience exceeding joy i have exceeding joy well that you know that's insensitive when people are hurting so much is it insensitive or is it biblical i wonder if exceeding joy is a good witness Do you know Jesus was not depressed? Now people go, yeah, well, of course, it was Jesus. Yeah, but he lives in you. <laughs> Think about this. Kids liked Jesus. Little kids. Little kids liked him. They, they loved Jesus. I bet Jesus played goofed I bet there were times when they were all eating together and a roll came flying across the table and hit one of the disciples in the head and everybody's looking around and Jesus is going mm -hmm. <laughs> exceeding joy exceeding joy exceeding joy Exceeding, it exceeds. It's a joy. Now, if you have exceeding joy, you have exceeding strength. <laughs> and you're overcoming. Well, it isn't going the direction I want it to go. <laughs> exceeding joy. The Lord's moving, you just don't see it yet. This is faith. Amen? Exceeding joy. Where does that, where does that spring from? From obedience so james chapter 1 verse 21 is where we started and then we got through verse 24 i'm just going to read over those therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your what now what does that mean it's your thinking it's your mind will and emotions that's not talking about your spirit now, when you see soul or heart or spirit, if you want to understand what it's talking about, you need to read the context. Paul or James is not telling the church you need to get saved. He knows they're saved. He's saying your soul needs saved. Our minds are to be what? Transformed, not conformed. How do we know that? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Right? 
The principle is all over the epistles. When you're born again, you need to understand who you are in Christ. You're brand new in your spirit, man, which is the true you. Then your mind needs to be renewed, not on Sunday, every day. You need to take every thought captive. You war here. This is the battleground, right? And then you need to, when, when my spirit, who is now full of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and my mind is thinking in line with my spirit, I have two against one against my flesh. If my mind is carnal and thinking like the old self, the dead self, sin thinking, then my mind is in line with this and I have two against Amen. So if I reverse that and get it to where it should be and I have those two in line, then I can dominate this. What did, what did the Lord say in Romans chapter 12, verse 1? He said, it's reasonable that you present your body a... What did he say in Romans chapter 6? He said, uh, Paul said this by the Holy Spirit. He said, I enslave my members... Which is what? It's your entire body. I enslave it to righteousness. I used to enslave it to unrighteousness. But I don't do that anymore. I don't let my eyes see things that they shouldn't. I don't let my ears listen. I'm talking about a meditation place. I don't, you, there are things that you're going to see you can't help. You say, what do you mean by that? You could be minding your own business and the devil will try to do something. <clears throat> He's that way. That's not sin. That's a temptation. Don't meditate it. Well, I can't stop myself. Stop saying that. You know, the Lord's going to break out the wooden spoon on you if you don't. You do. <laughs> People say, oh, he wouldn't do that. He will do it. Read Hebrews 12. He's not going to abuse you, but he'll get after you. Jesus believes in corporal punishment. <laughs> I should say corporal correction. Because we're past the place of punishment, right? In the sense of Christ redeemed us. But that doesn't mean we don't need correction. Oh, do I need correction. Do you? Do you need correction? So what does that mean? I need to save my, that means my mind needs to be renewed to the word of God. And then it says this, this will help with our obedience, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, I'm self-deceived if I don't do what I know. The Lord told me to love my neighbor as myself, but if I don't do that, I now have deceived myself into thinking that I'm doing something that I'm not doing. In other words, knowledge about a biblical topic or subject does not mean you are doing it, and it does not mean that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. See, in the Christian ch or in the church today, especially today, we go to and fro and so much is available in knowledge and we think because we're feeding on information that we're doing what we're supposed to, you're actually only doing half of what you're supposed to. The other half is once you have the knowledge, then I have to walk out the knowledge. So we think as Christians, well, I came, I sat, I heard, Lord, what more do you want? We have to what? Do, do you know why some Christians are so frustrated? I've noticed this in my own life. I don't do what I know to do, and then I have a child, 
And I don't like what I produced. Hello. Wisdom will be known by her children. I have a harvest. Well, I need deliverance. You don't need deliverance. You need to renew your mind and obey. What many people say are saying when they say they need deliverance, what they're saying is, I want somebody else to do for me what I'm supposed to do myself. <laughs> Stop waiting for your feelings to, to, to tell you to do it. They're not going to. Your feelings will, will, will enjoy the results of obedience to the resurrection once you do it. You say, how do you know this? Because... I've walked in many areas in, this, in my life where I've been able to get victory where at the beginning, when I first got saved, the Lord just zapped me and I got rid of it. And then the longer I walked with him, he expected me to do what he taught me. Um, well... Uh, I'll share, how do I want to share this? Which direction do I go there, Lord? So I'll put it to you like this. At some point, like we expect our kids to take on responsibility and we expect them to know certain things, so does the Lord. Well, I want the preacher to get the answer for me. Based on what scripture? What am I basing that on? Well, I need, you know, <clears throat> how many of you know this? <clears throat> I was, the Lord keeps showing me this illustration. How many, you know how to ride a bike? How many started out with training wheels? Only three people. That's amazing. I guess you guys are amazing. <laughs> or, or <laughs> I'm teasing you. Okay. It's just funny. So people are like, I'm done raising my hand for all these questions. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's early, preacher. I'm tired. <laughs> Exceeding joy, right? <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I had training wheels when I was a kid. But how many have seen the video of like the dad once you take the training wheels off and they got the back seat? And, and they're, you're doing good. You're doing good. You're doing good. And then they, but they don't tell the kid, right? And what does the kid figure out? I'm doing it on my own. And God is not the parent that after you crash goes, let's put the training wheels back on. Even if you lay there and go, I want training wheels, I want training wheels, and you just, you know, pitch a fit. <clears throat> the Lord does not adjust who he is based on my unwillingness to obey him. Ooh, that was good. I, that's not in the notes, right? Uh, that's in the Holy Ghost notes. But some people are so comfortable in their immaturity, that it's, it's uncomfortable to break out of it, but it should be uncomfortable to break out of immaturity. 
There should be, you say, no, I don't want it to be that way. It is that way. If Paul said by the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter six that I'm going to have to enslave this body, what is the picture that is being painted to me? That means that my body is gonna wanna do something that I don't want to do or that the Spirit of God doesn't want me to do. My nature on the inside is gonna be in what? Conflict with my nature on the outside. Well, I've never thought that way before. I I know, Uh, me neither. The way we were thinking was wrong. That's why we had that renewal. So when when I get in faith, and then I have wisdom, and then I come into agreement with faith and wisdom, and start walking in obedience, my flesh will learn to submit to healing, freedom, deliverance, discipline, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Come on, this is Galatians, the book of Galatians. Paul said that the Spirit within you is in conflict with the nature of the flesh on the outside. You are living in a state of conflict here. Now there's a nature in the spirit world, talking about in the demonic realm, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, darkness, wickedness in, in high places, right? There's that, that spirit world, and this world functions in a system of darkness that is bringing thoughts against your mind that line up with the nature that is within your flesh. But yet within you lives a resurrected one who has a nature, who has conquered every temptation. And when our mind is in line with this word, then in line with resurrection graces within us, then we can enslave this body into obedience contrary to its desire and the temptation of the spirit world outside. Now that would make a great reel. I mean, I, the Spirit of God just said a mouthful. That you, if you take that spot right there that was just taught, you can begin to understand the entire New Testament. Every epistle centers around the idea of revelation of who you are in Christ. And greater is he that is than he that is in the world. I've so not used my notes, my tablet shut off. That's rare. Some of you are thinking, probably not too rare. All right, go to verse 24, or sorry, 25. I'm just going to read through the rest. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Other translations say this, he who looks seriously into the law of freedom and is faithful to it, who is not a heedless listener who forgets the message, but an active worker. This person will be blessed as an obedient doer. So let's look again at the progression of obedience in this verse. 
It requires looking and then what? Continuing to look. So James 1.25, it, it requires what? Looking and then continuing to look and doing in order to possess blessing. Now, what I mean by possess is you're not wrenching anything from the arms of God. You're possessing it here because you have an enemy that wants to steal from you. Do you see that? If we desire the blessing that we have as seen in Ephesians 1.3, then there must be a doing or an obedience. There is no blessing in spiritual idleness. There is no blessing in spiritual idleness. There's heaven when you die. But there's no blessing manifesting now. We must learn to manifest the blessing. You say, why? Because it's a major part of our witness. If we want to advance the kingdom individually and corporately, we need to learn, to be, uh, we need to learn not to be spiritually idle. Don't be spiritually idle. Well, I got a lot going on. You don't have more going on than is, that, and that is more important than your spiritual condition. Nothing is more important than that. Well, I've got a lot on my schedule. Clear your schedule. Well, I have to do certain things. If we really looked at our schedule, the have tos would be a lot smaller than we think. Like, you have to breathe. It's true. Oh, I, mean, I guess you don't have to, but <laughs> we recommend you do. <laughs> right? There are things that you have to do, but there's a whole lot of stuff we just fill our time with. Do you know why people do that? Revelation time. They, won't, they don't want to have to deal with the reality of their world. If I just keep myself busy, you're headed for destruction. I'll just save it, say it that way. You can't just keep myself busy. And I'm talking about Christians that keep themselves busy with things the Lord didn't tell them to. Oh, well, we'll have to get into it someday. <laughs> All right. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Notice we have to continue in this law of liberty. All right? Looking here, this word looking, it refers to more than a casual glance. This word paints the picture of a person stooping over to see something better. How many have done that before? It means an intent looking and a careful examination. Notice it's the law of liberty. How many want liberty? You're under the law of liberty. But you need to look, you need to examine, you need to be intent and careful to look, to see. You don't just glance at the word of God and go on, but you, you stand over the top of it in, in, in a sense of observance. It, it, get the picture of a scientist who's trying to look at something under a microscope. You notice that the microscope, you have two spots for your eyes they're both working and they're made to focus in one spot. I'm examining this word. I'm looking at this word. I'm, I'm, I'm stooping over it and looking at it intently, looking at the detail, looking at the instruction, allowing the word to change the way that I think. 
And the principle in James is phenomenal because when your thinking changes, your speaking changes. When your speaking changes, the rudder on your ship steers in the right direction and you end up in the harbor of heaven. You avoid things in the sea of life that you don't need to be around. The idea of studying is referenced in 2 Timothy 2.15. Then continuing, this word continues carries the idea of walking in obedience to what you have read. Living a life that is totally governed by the written word of God. In other words, the written word becomes a permanent part of our lives. And then the last part, and it's not a forgetful doer of the, uh, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what, in what he or she does. Here again, we see the importance of doing and remembering. Studying the word of God and not applying it is really a waste of time. If we are going to take the time to be in church, fellowship with the Lord in our devotion time, and even go to Bible school, we might as well have the blessing from the knowledge obtained by obeying the word. Why go through all the expense and not do it? But this is the world we live in. People say, oh no, how many have a gym membership and haven't gone in months? How many have gym memberships and don't go? Nobody wants to raise their hand on this. <laughs> I see it. This, you say, is that a prophetic word? It's absolutely prophetic. If you're not going to go, take that money and give it to the church. We'll do something with it. <laughs> Stay home and do push-ups. Glory to God. All right, so that was my own dig. All right, so, but the principle, the idea, the thought is true. Why pay and not get the benefit? Why take the time and then not do? Because we don't feel like it? How are we going to run with horsemen? All right, I quoted a scripture there. You can go find it. I didn't just make that one up. Go find it. I'll give you a general direction. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> Y'all got Google. You can find it. Part of the resistance of our enemy is obedience. Therefore, submit to God Resist the devil and he will from you. Well, I got to call, I got to get, I got to get these, the, all the ministers that are, are, are anointed in these areas to pray for me. No, you don't. You can resist the enemy and he'll flee you. Now, if you don't believe it, guess what? It won't work. What a lot of believers do is they try it to see instead of doing it, knowing it's going to happen. Amen? Obedience removes problems and also keeps problems at bay. 
Obedience removes problems and also keeps problems at bay. What do you mean? You see a fight starting between you and your spouse. You stop. In obedience to love, you back away, and guess what you avoided? You kept a problem at bay. You hear your kids start going at each other. You know which direction it's going. You step in, and you go, "Uh uh-uh, nope, we're not doing it. Well, they did You know, they're all lawyers all of a sudden, you know what I mean? And you go, uh-uh, uh-uh, nope, nope, we're not going down that path. You go that way, you go that way. We'll talk about it when all the emotions are. What a lot of parents do, I'm going to not say that that way. What some parents do that are not in this church, <laughs> because we're all saying, okay, I better just move on here, is they jump in, in the emotion, they rise to the level of it. And they jump in and make it worse. They add gas to the fire. And that happens in politics, marriages, kids, businesses, everything. The enemy is so good in, the, in what I mean by that, in causing problems. He is a master manipulator. And he manipulates people's souls because they don't know believers I'm talking about. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.